Welcome to Rooted and Free, a lifestyle podcast with Brandy and Sharon. Here you will find real down-to-earth conversations about Jesus, entrepreneurship, homesteading, homemaking, homeschooling, family, freedom, prepping, politics, and more. Some may call them conspiracies. We just call them facts. Grab a cup of coffee, your favorite pen and notebook, and let's dive into today's topic. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of Rooted and Free podcast. You are here with your co-hosts, Sharon Beadle and Brandy Lynn White. This is the, what are, I guess we're still in the beginning of January, but one of the things that uh, we want to do in this podcast is share content with you that is relevant um, to the time that we're in. And so we have actually gotten, both of us, Brandy and I have gotten lots of questions about seeds, um, as in garden seeds, plant seeds. And so we thought, you know what, we're just going to take this and we're going to run with it. And we're going to share with you our resources for seeds, what we choose, what we look for, um, and just kind of walk you through our process for kind of this first step for planning your garden. We're not out there churning soil. We're not out there planting. We're not doing anything like that yet. It is only January. Um, but we are beginning to look at what we want to grow this year. And because I personally think Brandy, let me know if you agree with me, but I personally think seeds are going to become quite the commodity. Um, I know they already have, I think it's just going to continue to be that way. Um, at least in the near future, in the foreseeable future. And so I think it's a good idea to get kind of get going with this and get your seeds ordered before, before they're gone, because seeds are a finite resource on an annual basis. I agree. And I wish this is actually a topic that I wish I would have learned sooner in life. Yeah. Coming from a place of preparation, I didn't know because I have always just gone and bought starters from my local hardware store, my local home goods store, wherever you can get local plants and things like that. I've always done that. I haven't always been a start from seed kind of person, but I think the way that we're advancing right now in society and the world and the climate change, I think that having seeds on hand is going to be super important. Yes. Agreed. 100%. I was the same way. Um, in the last couple of years, the same way where I would just go by starts. Um, one of the reasons that I did that was yes, convenience. Um, the second reason was time. And the third reason was I really didn't, when I first started gardening as a young adult on my own, I really didn't feel like I needed 20 plants of, you know, like you would get out of one seed packet anymore y'all grocery supply chains and yeesh just food is becoming harder to find right now seeds are one of the solutions to that problem for many many different reasons so um i am to the point now and seed packets can last you quite a few years there are some varieties that um are not like just certain seeds that won't last past a couple of years, but there are quite a few that you can store for a few years. So if you do some good planning now and you purchase seeds, keep them, store them properly. And you are going cool, dry place guys, cool, dry, dark place. And you are going to have those seeds for years to come. So don't buy for just 
this year. I really would encourage you for that right now. So um, I guess we can kind of kick it off with what, what do we look for in seeds? And for me, my, my three factors, Brandy, jump into, I want a non-GMO seed. GMO stands for genetically modified. Um, and I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. The crop that you are going to have the hardest time finding that's not genetically modified is corn. So if you want corn, you're going to have to look hard and buy early if you want non-GMO. Um, I don't want anything that's genetically modified. Now, one of the other factors that I look for is whether it's an heirloom seed. Now, I want to specify genetically modified is not the same as hybrid. Okay. Hybrid is still a pure, like it's not genetically modified. It's just taking two different seeds, two different um what's the word I want? Not species, but anyway, two different plants, I guess. And you are creating a hybrid out of the two of them. The problem, not that it's a problem, but the problem with a hybrid seed is that if you were to save your seeds, which we can talk about in a later episode, those seeds from a hybrid plant are not going to guarantee you the same plant over and over and over again. An heirloom seed is going to give you the same plant over and over and over again. So that's why I personally look for heirloom because I want to take the next steps in being self-sufficient. And that means someday I'd love not to have to buy seeds. I'd love to just have my own seeds from plants that I've grown. And that's, that's a goal of mine. That's a, a vision that I have for my garden. And so I choose heirloom or at least 90 plus percent of the time I choose heirloom. And the third thing I look for is, is it organic? And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we're all learning that organic when possible is best because we don't want pesticides and we don't want, um, avoidable or mostly avoidable toxins in our food. So those are my three shopping points. Is it non-GMO? Is it organic? And is it heirloom? Brandy, anything like what, when you look at seeds, when you are like, if you're standing in a garden store and you're looking at a wall of seeds, what are some of the factors that you prioritize when you're, when you're picking your packets, so to speak? It's it's so funny. Sharon and I are very similar. So I wrote down organic, non-GMO and heirloom. And just for you guys that maybe not that don't know seeds or the terminology, um, Sharon specified organic and non-GMO for you. Heirloom is an open pollinated seed that's at least 50 years old. So when you're looking at heirloom seeds, that's the, the technical definition of that. Um, and, and those are the three things that I look for as well. And we actually have to rebuy a ton of seeds this year. We had seeds that we have saved before we have seeds, packets that we hadn't even opened before, and they were all in storage. And we moved a lot of things here on the homestead this past year, as far as like our moving our chicken coop back to the back of the property and the shed that had the seeds in the containers to the back of the property. And then we started a greenhouse this year. It's not complete yet, but because of all of that moving and construction, somehow we have lost our seed supply. And I have a few seeds from, from last year when I purchased new seeds, but our bulk seed supply is gone. So I am going through the process right now of ordering all new seeds. Um, and those are the three things that I do look forward to organic non-GMO and heirloom. Okay. So now that we've shared with you what kind of we look for in a seed, um, we want to share with you some of our favorite brands of seeds or places to find seeds. Um, 
one, it's not as well known, but one of my favorite brands, and it's the one that I would say at least three quarters of my seeds come from is Botanical Interests. And the reason that I use this brand, it, there's a, there's a bunch actually, um, they are, they offer a ton of organic varieties. They offer, um, heirloom seeds as well as hybrid seeds, and they offer, um, non-GMO. All, almost all of their seeds are open pollinated, um, which is amazing. So, um, I'm a really big fan of them. They are also a Colorado company. So I like supporting local small businesses. Um, and this is one, so I will actually go to my local garden store, which by the way, that's another really great place to look for seeds is go to, uh, local farmers markets go to, if you have like a winter's farmer, winter farmers market in your area, go to garden stores and talk with them because chances are they've got good information about what does well, where you are. Um, so that's always a good resource for you with your garden. Um, but I actually go to my local garden store and I support them as a local small, small business. And I purchase the botanical interests, um, brand of seeds. They have beautiful seed packets and I have yet to find a seed packet that has more information that has easier information to follow. It is just, they're really, really beginner user friendly. Um, so I've been really happy with them. They also have a points program on their website. Um, we will be putting all of this information in the show notes for you, by the way, with links and all of that. So it should be real easy. Um, one of the bigger, more well-known, well-trusted brands is Baker Heirloom, rareseeds.com. They are one of the few sources that's going to have non-GMO corn seeds. Um, last time I looked, I think there was only two varieties of that. If it just gives you an idea of how rare that is. Um, so they are a good source. And then the other one that I have kind of stumbled on re somewhat recently that I'm excited to look more into, but I think is going to be a phenomenal resource is the seed savers. This is like a conglomerate of almost like a co-op conglomerate, however you want to call it, um, organization of people who grow heirloom plants with the sole purpose of keeping particularly rare varieties, um, alive, so to speak. So they will grow plants with the sole purpose of saving the seeds and there's an exchange and you can purchase them. Um, it's going to be a little different every season because it's, you know, it's not mass produced or anything like that, but that's going to be a really cool resource. And you can find some pretty amazing varieties through them, um, particularly heirloom varieties and, um, ones that you wouldn't necessarily be able to find in your Lowe's in your Home Depot and your, you know, Ace Hardware and that kind of thing. Again, not that any of those places are bad, but, um, those would be my four, my four top places. Definitely check with your local garden store. I love the brand botanical interests. I love Baker heirloom and the seed savers exchange. So Brandy, take it away where I'm really curious what, differs in Indiana from Colorado as far as what you find and what you like best? Okay. So the, I think it's really important to note that I'm in zone six a here in Indiana. So whenever I talk about seeds or where to buy them or different varieties, cause not all varieties grow the same in different places. It's important to note like where 
we're coming from as far as a zone. Um, yeah. So 6A here in Indiana, I have some of the same things written down that you do. Botanical interests, you're not wrong about them. They have beautiful seed packaging and they are one of the most extensive when it comes to the information on the seed yes. and the plant and the variety. Um, so I'm with you on the botanical interests. I also really love Baker Creek Heirloom. So I don't know if that's the same as what you were talking about. Actually, yeah, it is. yeah. So Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company is probably my number one for heirloom and rare seeds. I actually learned about them through Roots and Refuge. I don't know if you know her. She has a YouTube channel and Instagram, all of the things. Uh, I tuned into YouTube on a long 16 hour drive and I ran across her and she did this amazing YouTube video in her greenhouse of the best places to buy seeds. And so that's where I got my resources from. And I'm with her Baker Creek heirloom is probably my number one, as far as sourcing heirloom, non-GMO organic seeds. Um, seeds of change is another one. If you are not comfortable buying online, seeds of change are available at Tractor Supply, Home Depot, Lowe's, things like that your big box stores, but you have to be careful. They are, um, they don't necessarily use GMOs, but the companies that produce those seeds uh, have access to GMOs. So just take a look at the packaging and make sure it says non-GMO and organic on it. But Seeds of Change is one that you can, you should be able to find locally at a big box store. Um, Tradewinds Fruit too is another one. Uh, Tradewinds Fruit is going to be an online resource for you. The, sorry, I just lost my notes. Tradewinds Fruit, it's a smaller company, um, but they have some really rare seeds as well. And then they're also gonna be non-GMO and organic. They sell vegetables, herbs, ornamentals, fruits, some rare fruits, which I'm excited to try in the greenhouse it, this spring. Um, they have like cardamom and baby kiwi and things like that, that you don't normally find other places. And then some different varieties of kale too. So we grow not only for ourselves, but for some of our animals. And we have um, a dragon that loves kale. So I'm excited to get some, some new seeds from Tradewinds Fruit this year. Can we just say how gorgeous kale varieties are? Like not oh, that you yeah. necessarily grow for beauty with edibles, <laughs> but they're gorgeous. Um, yes. I just want to, uh, clarify. Yeah. Baker Creek. I think I left out the Creek name, but yes, that was also one that I was talking about. Their website is rareseeds.com. Um, and I agree they are, They've been around a long time. They have a fantastic reputation and they do have some really amazing seeds. They have a free seed, seed catalog that you can order. And then they also produce a full, like one inch thick, um, whole seed catalog that you can purchase. Um, I want to say this year, it's probably, I think I saw it was like 1495 or something like that, but what you get with that is also a ton of information. So just so you know, they are a really great resource. And I, I second that, um, that resource with you on that one for sure. They actually have a really good review section too. So if you go to the different seeds or the plants that you're looking for, uh, they have one of the best section of reviews. So you can see 
the pros and the cons. It'll show you where the reviewer lives and if they had to do anything as far as amendments and things like that to get that certain variety or heirloom to grow in their area. So that's something that I really like about the Baker's Creek website. Which is invaluable information because you only really get one chance a year. <laughs> so if you make a mistake or something doesn't grow very well, or you kind of learn your lesson the hard way, you kind of have to wait for the next year to try again. Um, so that's invaluable information. To that end, I am right on the line between zone 5A and 5B where I'm at. So just for that point of reference, Brandy said she was in, you said 6A, right? Yes. Okay. So you have a 6A reference in the, I really am right in between the, the 5A, 5B um, for that. And when we're talking about the USDA growing zones, which you can find on the USDA website, uh, there's a color-coded map. So you figure out where you live and you look at your color and it tells you what your grow zone is. You're going to take that information and use it to plan your garden for growing seasons and environment and to determine whether seeds are going to do well or not well. Certain varieties do well where you're at and all that kind of fun stuff. So that's what we're referring to. Speaking of what to grow, um, so now that you know kind of what you're looking for and some of our favorite resources, when you're looking for where to get seeds, I'm I'm going to walk you through kind of my process for, for what particular varieties of seeds am I looking for, and Brandy's going to do the same thing. Um, I think we do this fairly similarly, but I start with making a list. This is where my garden starts with every January. I make a list of what I want to grow in my garden this year. And it's not always a final list, but I just, I just throw everything down on a piece of paper. It's herbs, it's vegetables. It might be fruit varieties, like berry varieties, that kind of thing. Um, just all different kinds of things. I write it all down and then I kind of start to sort and organize from there. Um, what seeds do I have from last year? Am I running low on any of those? Are they a couple of years old? Like, is it time to maybe grab a fresh packet? Something like that. Um, so that's kind of my first thing is I, I want to write down all the things and I might only be general to start out with. Like I might write green beans and I might write tomatoes and then under tomatoes, I might say, okay, I want to do cherry tomatoes and I want to do slicer tomatoes and I want to do paste tomatoes and I'll break it down from there afterwards. If you are new to gardening on any level and you want to try from seeds, ask yourself what you eat the most of, particularly fresh in the summer months. Don't start by jumping in and thinking about, okay, I'm going to preserve 50 gallons of food for my garden this year, even though I've never done it before, because you're going to set yourself up for failure. Let me just say that from experience here and now. So what do you eat the most of in the summertime? Do you eat a lot of salads? Do you like to cook with herbs? Do you use tomatoes in sauces and in salads and in just snacking? Do you like pickles? Are you going to eat a fresh cucumber? That kind of thing. So ask yourself what, what those foods are and look into growing those varieties. If you have no idea where to start, some of your easiest to grow varieties are going to be your greens, your lettuces, your spinaches, your kales, your arugula that kind of thing. They grow. I swear those seeds, they grow. Just trust me. They grow, they grow like weeds. <laughs> They're not weeds, but they grow like weeds. And they like you, you, you have to try to mess it up. I mean, you'd really have to try. To they, they are very hardy. 
Yes. And it just, there's, there's not much that you can do wrong with those zucchini in my zone anyway, is very easy to grow from seed. You put the thing in a mound in the ground and you water it a little bit and make sure it has sun. And you're going to end up with zucchini, a lot of zucchini, zucchini that if you blink, it will grow huge. And all of a sudden you have an extra baseball bat in your yard. Like (laughs) zucchini grows very well in my zone. Um, cucumbers have always done well for us too. If you have the room and the space for corn, uh, corn grows well out here. Um, so those are a couple of, and tomatoes do grow really well out here, um, for me. So, although I will say in the past, I've had trouble growing tomatoes from seed, (laughs) they sprout fine. And then I have trouble from there. So I've got plans for fixing that this year. I think I know what I've been doing wrong, but that said tomatoes, once they are started, they do grow really well out here as well. Um, so that's another thought, find some varieties that are easy to grow. If you don't know where to start and always take into account, into consideration, how much room that you have. Um, you don't want to overcrowd your plants, but you can look at a few different methods of gardening, like vertical gardening, container gardening, um, even indoor like windowsill type gardening for smaller things like herbs, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, what was the other one I was going to say? The square foot gardening concept. There's a lot of different gardening methods, I guess you could say, even the tower gardens, which I think we're going to invest in this year, not to go off on a tangent, but um, even tower gardens are great places to start if you're just kind of throwing your hands up and you feel like you don't have a lot of space, but you still want to do something. Um, And then consider your environment, like we talked about your growing zones um, and your access to sun. For example, like my mom lives in a 55 and plus community and um, they have rules like HOA concept rules, covenantial type rules that forbid you from having certain things in certain places on your property. And so like she couldn't have a tower garden in the front of her house where it's going to get the most sun, but she could have something on her back patio. But if it's going to get more shade, she needs to consider plants that are going to thrive with less sunlight than more sunlight. So just to give you an example, just consider your access to sunlight, your access to water, your environment, what you're going to eat, um, and what exactly you're planting in and you're growing in. And that's going to help you determine what types of plants, seeds that you buy. I agree. And I kind of do that same thing too. I like to map out my garden. Where do I have space? What is it going to look like? I have um, direct sow gardening as far as in the ground. I also have some boxes. And then this year we're going to do a lot more of the vertical gardening, like you said. So I'm going to have a little bit more space to kind of rearrange um, my plants and my seeds and what goes where. So the first thing that I do is I map out my garden. So I map out my space, I draw it all out, and then I do the same thing that you do. What do you eat the most of? So if you're experienced, you probably know all of these things, but if you're a beginner, there are companion plants too. So I also highly recommend searching companion plants and seeing which seeds in your area in your zone grow well with other plants. Cause then you can maximize your space there too. When you're mapping out, we do eat a lot of tomatoes. We eat a lot of onions. Um, actually Dixon Dale farms is where we get our onions from. They're an amazing resource. And I'll 
we'll have the link for that available as well, but they are completely onion farm and they send us onion starts every year. And then the resources that come along with that, because we're serial entrepreneurs, we're busy. And sometimes I forget to do certain things in my garden. And Dixondale is really good about sending you an email saying, Hey, it's time to fertilize or, Hey, it's time to this, or, Hey, it's time to that in the growing process of those types of things. So mapping out what you eat most, like Sharon said, writing it down. Do you eat a lot of vegetables? Do you use a lot of herbs? Do you, are you planning on prepping to have a year's worth of food or are you just going to eat fresh? So these are things that you need to think about when you're mapping out your garden. Potatoes, we do eat a lot of as well. Um, so some of those hardier plants and then deciding when am I going to plant them? Am I going to plant them all at the same time? Are we going to plant from seed or are we going to plant from start? So I think you covered pretty much everything. We kind of do things the same way, even though we're in a different zone. Garlic too is another thing that has to be prepped and planned for. So I know some people may be like, why are you guys talking about seeds in January? But last year I had a message from somebody on social media that was like, I just saw somebody is planting seeds. Am I seriously supposed to be starting right now? It's only January. And I'm like, actually, yes, this is a great time to prep. And then anything you do from seed, we usually here in Indiana in zone six, a have to start by around Valentine's day for some things and mother's day for other things. So it is coming up and it comes up fast. And so preparation means opportunity. As long as you're prepared, I think you're going to have a successful garden, whether you're starting from seed or you're starting um, from starts that you plant inside um, during the winter and colder months. That's a really good point that we didn't even touch on um, that. I just thought of the difference between cool season and warm season. Um, cool season crops are going to be your greens and your, uh, care, <clears throat> excuse me, your carrots, your peas, your broccoli, that kind of thing. Um, and that means that they are frost tolerant. They're going to go direct. So meaning you put the seed directly where it's going to grow in the ground. You're never going to transplant it. Um, they, they do, they go in the ground early. I, the earliest that I out here in five, a five B that I will plant uh, my, my cool seasons, it could be as early as like the end of March where I'm putting seeds in the ground. Um, and I will, a lot of those I'll succession plant, um, just because you'll harvest and you'll want to continue to plant, to have the continual harvest, um, which Brandy, you were talking about, but so I will cool season seed start not start seed, like direct sow my seeds through usually the beginning to middle of April, depending on the seed. And that's where the information on the seeds becomes really handy because one of the next steps, and we can talk about this in a, in a later podcast, but one of the next steps is then sitting there and saying, okay, you know what you're planting and where you're planting it. It is figuring out the when of planting it. And so I have a great method for that. Brandy, I'm guessing yours is pretty similar based on conversations that we've had, but it is, it's knowing when to plant too. So, um, and that can come into play with your garden. If you want to do, you know, early season, warm season, late season gardening, you're going to kind of want to think about that when you're buying seeds as well, because not only is it the space, but it's the time. Some things will grow and mature early season and you'll have that space in the garden available for a later season. And I love that you talked about companion planting too, because it makes a, a difference. <laughs> like 
some plants don't like to grow next to each other and they won't do as well. And other plants thrive off of being next to each other and they do amazingly well. So, right. And there's also flowers too, like flowers to keep bugs away. Um, Marigolds and tomatoes. Yes. I, I put marigolds in between all of my tomato plants and it's just really important to sit down and do the research on some of that too. Um, so we'll give you the concept of companion planting and then you guys can just run with that and look at what works for you in your area. But companion planting is super important for us too, because it just takes some of that workload off of you. I like to, when I map out my garden, I'll put my hot peppers away from my sweet peppers so they don't cross pollinate uh, and different things like that. Agreed. I, and that was something I learned the hard way a few years back. I, I split them up. I actually grow, I have a plot that is, um, in ground. I have, um, a bunch of raised beds. I have a few containers. And, um, so I grow in a couple of different, a few different types of what's the word I want locations, I guess, kind of like you do. And I had to learn the hard way when I had my sweet peppers and my hot peppers next to each other, that they weren't happy and it wasn't quite right. And I was not happy with the results of, um, the produce that I was getting, but we had a really great year last year and they were a few boxes away from each other and it does make a difference. So I agree with that as well. Um, I want to say though, that one of the things that has been a lot of fun for me is being able to ask the questions and evaluate my garden at the end of the month, at the end of the year, um, or end of the season, I should say. So if you are really committed to this, get a notebook or a journal and start taking notes and just writing things down, whether it is companion planting, like, okay, I know I want to grow these four or five different plants. I'm going to go figure out what the good and bad companions are for those four or five different plants, write that down on a page and then figure out, okay, where did you buy your seeds and what worked and what didn't work? And it might sound kind of tedious and it might sound kind of silly, but I promise you the worst thing you will do is tell yourself that you'll remember because you won't. (laughs) So I would encourage you to get some kind of a journal. If you're really, really committed to this whole gardening from seed expanding every year, that kind of thing. Cause you're always going to make changes. I don't think I've ever had the same garden twice. I agree. And something that I love that even the, um, plant stores and the, the, this online seed stores are doing now is selling seeds and packets based on meals. And I really love that too. And that's something that you don't have to buy a seed packet for you can do in your head. I went to our state fair it's probably been six or seven years ago now. And I went into the greenhouse and they did meal planting. So they had boxes of like a salsa box. So everything in that raised garden bed, they had what you would use in salsa. So they grew the herbs, the tomatoes, the onions, everything in that same box. And then they did that same thing with like pizza. So there was a pizza garden box. And so everything that you would put on your favorite pizza you would grow in that pizza box so that you could harvest all of those things at the same time. And then you can make your meal, you know? And so I really like that. And I noticed this past year when shopping for seeds or looking at seeds, whenever we would go to the feed store, they're starting to do that in the stores as well, packaging up those seeds to have them together so that you can make different meals from just one seed packet. And if you If you are like me and you're a control freak and type A, you don't want those decisions made for you. Like you want to be able to pick and choose things. It's a great time saver. Don't get me wrong. I will shoot myself in the foot 
despite the fact that I say, I don't have time to do things. I, that's just who I am for better, for worse. So the, an alternative to that is go look on Pinterest or, um, just Google, just search, uh, certain types of gardens. Like you could do herb gardens. You could do vegetable gardens. You could do like Italian food gardens. You can do whatever it is, salad gardens. You can go look and they're, they are out there. You guys, there's so, so, so many resources for different types of gardens that you can plant. And they'll say how to grow an XYZ type of garden in a four by four box. And all of a sudden you've got four feet by four feet and you have a garden that you have chosen because it's something that you're going to use and it's something that you're going to eat from. And that's really cool too. So another somewhat similar idea to that too. Um, if there's, if there's a certain type of food that you want to eat on a regular basis, you can plan a garden around that pretty easily because there are a lot of resources for that. Um, before I forget to Brandy, you mentioned potatoes, just so everybody knows, um, potatoes, you don't grow from seeds. So you actually do have to buy, um, potatoes. You don't want to plant potatoes from the store. Let me just say, if you are out of all other options, go to, um, go find an organic non-GMO potato and you can plant that in the ground. But one of the things that you will find with purchasing potatoes in the store, and this isn't true for all of them, but they are treated with, um, something that will prevent them from sprouting. So if you put them in the ground, they're not going to do you any good. So you do want to buy from a trusted source or um, even like my garden store carries a bunch of different varieties. So I just go pick a handful and that works for my potato situation. But um, you do want to look again, same thing as other stuff, non-GMO, organic um, and, and use starts for that. Now, two years ago, I think it was, there was actually a shortage of those. You really couldn't find them. So a lot of people were having to go to the grocery store and buy the best possible variety available to them and put those in the ground. Um, and it works fine, but just so you know, your best option for potatoes is going to be something that you, and you are going to want to purchase them in advance and potatoes are something they're really easy to grow. And they are something that you can put in the ground on the early end of things. And they'll kind of sit dormant for a little while if the growing environment isn't 100% ideal for them. So there's something you want to maybe look at buying, um, ahead of time as well to that end. So that yeah, was the, we get ours from rural King. I don't know if that's available in your area or not. It's a pretty, uh, big box farm store. Uh, but rural King has great options for organic non-GMO potatoes. But like you said, a couple of years ago, they were pretty non-existent even in, in that location. So we do try to store potatoes, um, and buy in bulk so that we always have enough of them. Same, but that was one tip. We did talk about tomato, tomatoes, potatoes, and those are not a seed situation. You do have to buy the actual spud. Um, I think we touched on everything. Am I missing anything? Do you think on that? Um, I don't think so, but I did want to talk about garlic really quick because we oh, use yeah. a lot of garlic here and garlic is such an easy thing to grow. So if you have a head of garlic and, and you got to be careful too, if, if your garlic that you're getting is bleach white, it is not good run away. Um, but organic garlic that you can, you can actually get it from the grocery store, but I would get it from the organic section or an all natural, um, grocery and food store, or one of the sources that we mentioned online, usually carry garlic. And then you can grow so many bulbs from 
one bulb of garlic and you can continue to keep growing the garlic over and over again. It does take about eight months for one of those garlic cloves to turn into a whole head of garlic. So that's something to look at as far as your timing and your zone and your area. Um, but garlic is something that I think everybody should be growing at home and you should never have to buy it again from the grocery store. That was something that I looked into a lot this last year. Um, and most people will plant garlic in like October, maybe November. And so mm -hmm. it's something that you kind of have to plan in advance for because it's not your typical cycle. That said, if you have access to a somewhat controlled growing environment or you're not living in extreme environments, like really hot or really cold, never summer, never winter, that kind of situation, you can do, what do you want to call it? You can't more succession planting, but it does take a while. Garlic tends to do well over wintering. And so you'll get a huge harvest in the spring if you plant in October, but it is, garlic is amazing. <laughs> You want to have garlic in your life and it has, a you lot want of to have garlic in property. your life and you want to have a lot of garlic in your life. It has great healing properties. So we're not talking about just eating. I mean, garlic, garlic is something you need to have on hand and embrace and love in your life. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, like we said, we're going to post all of this information in the show notes. Um, if you are not following us on um, social media, Instagram is rooted in free podcast. You can search it. It should pop up for you. That would be a really great place for you guys to send us messages and ask questions um, because we want to be able to answer the questions that you have specifically. We get a lot of individual questions um, and those are great. And they, that's what dictated this episode. Um, so we would love to have you follow us there and keep in touch and ask your questions and share your feedback. Um, like we said in our first episode, we really want this to be a community. So, uh, to that end, we invite you to be a part of our rooted and free community. And we look forward to talking to you on the next, on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of rooted and free. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check the show notes for info and links. It would mean the world to us if you reviewed and shared our podcast and be sure to catch us on the next episode.